Let's take off. Bongani and Nala on Radio 2000. So on the line, uh, we've got Sophie Mukwena, foreign editor for SABC. Um, she was actually working for the IEC in 1994. And then that same year, uh, she joined the SABC in July um, after the elections. Uh, I mean, we remember, guys, ANC took 60, 62% victory uh, in my elections. And back then, I mean, the only dominant parties was ANC, National Party, uh, IFP. Um, those are the ones that I remember. More than 19 million people voted. Um, and there was just this feeling that there was some some sort of hope. You know, we're going to be speaking to Sophie uh, and finding out. Good morning, Zagan, on the day. Good morning, Sophie. Welcome to the show. Good morning and good morning to your listeners and your team. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Mom. So, Ma, maybe let's speak about just, just the feeling around the day. You know, what is the first thing that comes to your mind uh, when you think of the 27th of, of April in 1994? I have mixed feelings, and uh, I think as many South Africans have uh, indicated since this Monday, when people were reflecting on this day ahead of uh, Freedom Day, uh, because yes, pre-1994, it was very, very difficult, and I can't imagine any young person at that time who was not affected by the brutality of apartheid, particularly uh, to some of us who were in institutions of high learning at that time in different uh, sectors. Uh, for example, I was at the College of Education doing my higher education uh, diploma. And at the same time, in 1993, uh, when I was in my last year, I was elected to be the Secretary General of the uh, Student uh, Body, or the SRC, as you know it. And and therefore, at that time, there was so much tension. Who can forget the assassination of Chris Hani? And therefore, as student activists at that time, we were literally politicians. So we had to come up with programs to ensure that uh, the students at the Institution of Highlanders Brooklyn College were still focused on the task at hand of getting education and looking forward to go out there and make a difference as teachers who were nurtured on uh, issues or who were politically aware. Yeah. But when you finish, then you don't know what to do. You don't have a, a, a school where you can be uh, position to, uh, to work because, to work, yeah. uh, you know, there was a decision to freeze all the government-related posts pre-1994, just before the dawn of democracy. And therefore, when you look today, the challenges that we are facing now as a country, uh, you, 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 sometimes you get heard that, was it worth it? Yes, it was worth it. Mm. But it is so painful to see that you still have, as a countryside girl who grew up in the farm in Frankfurt, having experience uh, fetching water uh, from the river, mm. wood to make fire, and to see today the very same uh, situation to many Africans uh, around the country, it does hurt. So, so you were working for the IEC at the time. I think you were based at Val. What was your mandate when you were working for the IEC on the day? Because obviously we know politically, um, Chris Hane had just been killed in 1993. 
there was also the right-wing groups which obviously weren't for the so-called uh, free and fair election that was taking place. So what was your, 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 your mandate as someone who was working for the IAC at the time? At the College of Education, we got a training on voter education. Mm-hmm. And also I was involved in a program that I launched with my uh, 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 colleagues at the SRC of Peace Process to try and bring together political parties involved who were at each other's throat, you'd recall the Bibadong Massacre, the mm. Winterven Massacre. And therefore, because I had uh, training on voter education, uh, I was placed at the polling station in Small Farm. I was one of the officials there, ensuring that people who were coming to vote were, were able to get information they needed because it was the first time uh, black Africans... Uh, who are voting, and therefore you had to assist them. And you know the level of literacy at that time, particularly sure. with senior citizens, was very, very high. So I was mainly assisting the senior citizens to understand what they were supposed to do, but generally voters to ensure that they do what they are supposed to do, to keep order in the queues. The queues were very long. And therefore, that was my responsibility, and I was able to discharge those responsibilities because for almost a year, 1993, I was engaged in training on voter education as the student body. Mm-hmm. We visited communities in the Val to train Africans in particular uh, to vote with the assistance of the Vet Valti Secretariat. Sure. And therefore, it was so easy for me just to do what I was supposed to do. Uh, even though we did get uh, a, a training from IEC uh, before elections, okay. but generally, I had a sense of what was supposed to happen and what was expected. Yeah. Speaking of voter education, we had a listener earlier calling in saying he actually voted twice and he was planning on voting a lot more times. Was that a common it could have been common, because remember, this is something new. And I think the systems at that time were not as tight as they are right now. I mean, I mean to prepare for elections, it didn't take long. You know, immediately after the assassination of Chusani, and then there was uh, a push by the ANC during the negotiations at the World Trade Center to say, uh, when you recall Madiba coming down the nation and yeah. therefore demanding a date for elections. And mm. therefore you can see everything was just rushed through. And there could have been those uh, mistakes where people were able to come in and vote many times. I mean, there was no proper voter uh, uh, registration. Uh, I mean, it, it was just people going there. But there's nothing that the uh, authorities, particularly those who were involved in the negotiations, could do, or the IEC at that time, yeah. because uh, as I pointed out, the, 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 the pressure against the brutal apartheid system was so much. I mean, I'm talking for experience, because in the Val, I was a, a community activist, I was a political activist, so like you knew any young on. people, all of us. Yeah. And the pressure was so much, there was no time to really, really pro- prepare thoroughly. Because let us remember, we didn't get the date of election 
because the apartheid government felt that was time to do so. But it was pressure yes. from the oppressed masses that we want to go to elections, particularly after the, 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 the assassination of Krishani. Yeah. And therefore, it is the death of Krishani that brought us 27 April 1994. So, I mean, if you look at the situation right now, a lot of people feel like they voted in vain. And um, we were talking earlier about transformation. What do you think we did not do right from that vote on the 27th of April 1994 to today? Well, political uh, freedom on its own cannot be enough if there's no economic freedom as well. Economic freedom in a sense that those who were previously oppressed and disadvantaged, today, not much has changed for them. And therefore, 28 years on, people are disgruntled. And I think when there were negotiations at the World Trade Center, we could have done better. But that doesn't take away what was done during the negotiations. But the reality is we could have done better. And Mm. unfortunately, the oppressors were not willing. I don't think they were negotiating in good faith. They were negotiating to protect Mm. their interests. And therefore, there are still challenges to date. I mean, issues of... uh, 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 security, issues of uh, uh, unemployment, issues that are related to education, yeah. uh, you know, spatial development. There are lots and lots of challenges. Mm. And uh, it speaks to it was not a freedom that was given on the silver platter. And unfortunately, there was no uh, uh, war and maybe Blacks were victorious. It was a negotiated settlement or project. So a war would have been better. A war would have been better. Not at all. A war wouldn't have been better. But in terms of negotiations, we could have done better. But we must understand the situation then. It's easy for me to say... We could have done better. We should have negotiated better because I wasn't there. You, who can forget when the AWB stormed the World Trade Center when they were negotiating? Who can forget many people dying, even though political parties to, yes. were engaged in the negotiations in East Rand, in West Rand? I'm talking about Val, the Val. I mean, you had almost three massacres in Val. Subville, Zone 7, and Dupatong. So people were, people were dying during apartheid years. And even on the eve of the elections, people were still dying. Who can forget Nelson Mandela going to KZN and saying people must throw their arms uh, into the sea? Mm. And persuading the system, apartheid system, was still using violence to get what they wanted on, and to derail the changes because they didn't go to the negotiating table voluntarily. They had lost everything in terms of wealth because South Africa as a state was bankrupt. 
It was cut off from the rest of the world. Yeah. That were imposed on South Africa. And those who were controlling the means of production, the filthy and the filthy rich, the advantage, felt that they were losing and they were pushing politicians who were in charge then to go to the negotiating table and settle for something so that they can protect their interests. That is why today they still command influence in terms of even influencing our leaders and also influencing some of the policies in this country. And therefore, uh, they had no choice. But war wouldn't have been an option because during war, no one, no one can stand up and say, I have won Mm. or I am victorious. Look at what's happening in Ukraine. Mm. Can you tell me, post this conflict, Russia can stand up and say uh, we are victorious after losing so many uh, young men and women in the battle. Can Ukraine say we are victorious after so much destruction? Can Eastern Europe as a region say, yes, we were supporting maybe Ukraine and we are victorious? No. Can the Western world say we are victorious, we were supporting Ukraine? No. Can the world in general say we are victorious because we've been able to stop this war? No, the damage is done. Many lives have been lost. Therefore, a war would not have been an option. Ma'am, because of time, we're going to need to leave it there. Sia Bonga for speaking to us this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, That's a a foreign editor for SAPC, Umamuso of Mukwena. Before joining the SAPC, um, 1994, she was on the ground um, mm. as part of the IEC, uh, obviously making sure that things were going according to plan. And she's Nature. giving us the reality. Nature. Yeah, thank you so much. The Takeoff, live and exclusive to Radio 2000, 97.2 to 100 FM, nationwide.